Well, if he set you free, why don't you just give him a little bit of praise right now? Come on, can we get a testimony in the house? There's a lot of testimonies in the house. Come on. He set me free. <laughs> he didn't just do it a little bit. He did the whole thing. He, he set me all the way free. Come on, let's just wave our hand as a testimony right now. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Come on, as he sets you free. Has he been good to you tonight? Yeah. Amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise and just thank him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it feels good in the house tonight. It's a little bit hot outside, but it feels good in the house tonight. And uh, there's a sweet, cool breeze blowing through. Aren't you thankful for air conditioning? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I always thank God for the opportunity to stand before you. Um, I know I say it all the time, but I just love my church. Don't you just love your church? I love my church. And when I invite people to church, I'm not ashamed about it. Uh, I'm not embarrassed about it. You know, sometimes you can get, you can invite somebody to church and, and, and they surprise you and they actually come. And, you, and they get there and you see them on the pew and you say, oh, I hope, I hope service doesn't get too crazy because they're not, they're not used to it. They're not going to understand it. Maybe they won't run the aisles today. And before you know it, Sister McDermott ran the aisle. And you're like, wait. And then they, they come up to you and you're like, oh, no, they're. Oh, no, they're not going to be used to it. And they come up and say, this is exactly what I have been looking for. <laughs> this is the exact kind of church that I've been looking for. Clap your hands to the Lord if you love your church. Amen. We do miss our pastor today. How many have been praying for him as he's traveling through Oregon, preaching for their district superintendent today, preach their uh, camp meeting for them? I love my pastor and I miss him today. Help me lift him up in prayer until he gets home safely. I give honor to him, to our bishop. I love you, bishop. Don't you love your bishop? Give honor to our assistant pastor, Brother Ryan. How many love Brother Ryan? What an awesome message we heard this morning. Hold on to the faith. Don't let it go. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 20. And uh, verse 2, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2. And if you're there, can you say amen? It says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Somebody say, he brought me out. In chapter 21, the very next chapter, I want to start in verse 1. And it says this. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. And if thou buy a Hebrew servant, can you say a servant? Six years he shall serve. And the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. Skipping down to verse 5. And if the servant shall say plainly, I love my master my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, 
and he shall serve. Can you say serve? He shall serve him forever. I want to preach to you tonight for just a short while on this subject. Freedom in Jesus. Can you say that with me? Freedom in Jesus. I wonder if you could put your Bibles down with me and just lift up your hands for just a minute and just let's let's just tell the Lord that we love him for just a second. What an awesome presence of the Lord is in this place. What an awesome spirit of worship that has already been brought before this place. But I wonder if we could continue in that for just a minute right now. Come on, just tell the Lord that you love him. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you and I thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you that I can feel your presence, Lord. And I pray that there would be freedom in this house, oh God. And I pray that there would be freedom to lift up our hands and to lift up our voice, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that anything that would try to bind us tonight, Lord, that you would free it and it would be loosed in the Holy Ghost. If you believe that and you're praying that with me, would you just clap your hands to the Lord and feel free to lift up your voice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for standing with me. You may be seated. Johnny loved his slingshot, but he was never very good at it. He was visiting his grandparents at the farm, and so he figured he'd head out to the woods and practice, but he could never hit the target. And getting a little discouraged, he headed back for dinner. And as he was walking back, he saw Grandma's pet duck. Now, he knew that it was funny that they owned a duck, but Grandma and Grandpa loved this duck. And just out of impulse, thinking, I haven't hit anything all day. I know I'm not going to hit nothing. He let the slingshot fly. And to his demise, he hit the duck square in the head. And he killed it. He was shocked and grieved, and in a panic, he hid the duck in the woods, and, he, and only to see his sister watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch the next day, Grandma said, Sally, let's, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. And then she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later that day, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Johnny loved to fish. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper tonight. And Sally just smiled and said, well, that's all right, Grandma, because Johnny told me that he wanted to help you do the dishes tonight. And she whispered to him again, Remember the duck. So Sally went fishing and Johnny strayed to help. And and after several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, he finally couldn't take it any longer. And he broke down and he came to grandma and he confessed that he had killed the duck. I did it. I didn't mean to. It just happened. I'm sorry. I know you loved that duck. And he came and he confessed and grandma knelt down and gave him a big hug and said, sweetheart, I know. You see, I was standing at the window the whole time and I saw the whole thing. But because I love you, I forgave you. 
I was just wondering how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. Let me tell you tonight, your adversary, the devil, wants nothing more than to bind you. And every time you try to pray, he says, remember. And every time you try to worship, he says, remember. And every time you try to break free of the addiction that's binding you, he says, remember, I saw everything. I was there the whole time. But I've got a question for the church, and and pardon the expression, but how long are you going to allow Sally to make a slave of you? I said, how long are you going to allow Sally to make a slave of you? She saw the whole thing. The devil saw the whole thing, but you've been living in bondage and you've been dealing with things that you don't have to be dealing with because guess what? If Sally saw it, then Jesus saw it too. If the devil saw it, then Jesus saw it too. And he forgave you. And he's saying, why are you worrying about it? I'm just wondering how long you're going to let him make a slave of you. That's what I want to know. God's saying, I knew that. If Satan knew it, you better believe I knew it. I was just wondering how long you're going to let the devil kick you around and and beat you up and try to put fear in your heart and try to intimidate you. I came to tell somebody tonight in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the heat, that you don't have to take that from the devil, but there is power in the name of Jesus, and you don't have to let Satan make a slave of you. You don't have to do that. She said, I've already forgiven you. I saw the whole thing. Now, the first thing you need to understand about the devil is that he is the master of disguise. He can deceive you by changing the very definition of freedom. Freedom simply means the state of being free or at liberty rather than in confinement or under physical restraint. The power to determine action without restraint personal liberty as opposed to bondage or slavery. Satan likes to attack the very definition of freedom. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I know people right now who relinquish their freedom to a cigarette and the enemy has deceived them to think that smoking is a part of their freedom. When really it's a chain around their throat. I've seen freedom relinquished to drugs. I've seen freedom relinquished to alcohol. And the enemy has convinced us that it is the definition of freedom. And that because we do those things that we're free. And that we can do whatever we want. I would like to stand proudly and say tonight that there is only one kind of freedom. And there is only one master that can offer you that freedom. And that freedom is found in Jesus. If you believe that, would you just clap your hands to the Lord? If he has set you free, that's not freedom. Doing whatever you want is not freedom. And the enemy can change the definition, but he can't change Jesus. He can change the definition, but he can't change who God is. The 
the enemy wants nothing more than to bind you with one word. Remember? You remember what I'm talking about? I talked to the youth group about it this morning. And I'm a youth pastor, so I like really simple illustrations. So you're just going to have to deal with me. But it's built into our very nature that we're not supposed to always be looking back. We're not always supposed to be looking back and thinking about what the enemy has done and thinking about the mistakes that we've made. God created us. I can reach to my right and I can reach to my left. I can reach out in front of me and I can reach up to heaven. But the one thing God really didn't see that important to do is I really can't reach back because there's nothing that important. There's nothing that important back there that can keep me and bind me now. They relinquish their freedom. And the devil says, you're free. You're free now. You'll never experience freedom until you have experienced Jesus. I'm going to say that again. You will never experience freedom until you have experienced Jesus. If you love Jesus, would you just clap your hands to the Lord right now and praise him? So I ask you, who would you rather serve? Which master would you rather serve? The master that says, remember, do this for me. Take care of this for me because I was there and I was watching. The, the master that condemns you or the master that says, I was there and I saw the whole thing and I forgave you. John 8 and 36 says, if the son therefore shall make you free, he shall make you free indeed. The first thing that you have to understand spiritually is that you were not born free. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and now the world is cursed with sin. I'm sorry, I hate it. I wish it wasn't like that. I don't make the rules. I didn't create the universe. But listen, she ate it and he ate it. So now the world's cursed with sin. And guess what? I was born into sin. And you were born into sin. You can't control the fact that you were not born free. You were born into the bondage of sin. And that's why it's so important, and I like this part, that you have to be born again. That's why it's so important that you must be born again. And Lady Gaga can say all day that she was born that way and she just does it like that because that's how she was born. Well, maybe that's the truth. But you need to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Come on, if you believe you must be born again, clap your hands and lift up your voice. I got to be born again. That's why I got to be born again. So Romans 6 and 3, it says we're, we're baptized into death. The death of who? The death of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And when we were baptized, we are obedient to the death of our flesh, just like Jesus was obedient to the death of his flesh on Calvary. 
Can somebody say amen? That's some, that's some shouting preaching right there. When you start talking about the blood of Jesus, I can't help it. I just get a little bit excited when I think about the blood. And I think about the way he, when, when nobody else cared, he picked me up. And he, and he turned me around and he placed my feet on solid ground. So just like Jesus was obedient. So Romans 6 and 6 says, know this. That our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. So that's the part that we get mixed up at. You're not supposed to serve sin anymore. Because you've killed the body of sin. You've, you've gone down in the name and it has washed away the, uh, the old man. Aren't you thankful that you're not the old man anymore? There's a lot of people in here. Every single one of you, you probably wouldn't have wanted us to know us a few years ago. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have wanted to know some of us a few years ago. We were so bound and so messed up. But I'm glad that I'm not the old man. <laughs> I'm glad that he made me new. And so he says in Romans 6 and 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. There is no freedom in the world. You're serving a master. You are a servant. You are a slave. But you're serving the wrong master. But I'm glad that scripture didn't stop there. It says in Romans 6 and 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that, that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin. Aren't you glad that you're free from sin? Ye became the servants of righteousness. Verse 20. For when we were the servants of sin. You are free from righteousness. That's a powerful scripture right there. When you are a servant of, of sin, you were free from something. But it wasn't the right kind of freedom. You were free from the wrong thing. You were free from righteousness. You were free from holiness. You are free from the very presence of God that you feel tonight. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be free from those things. I don't ever want to see those things go. Could you just lift up your hands with me right now? Come on. Just lift up your voice right now. We need to pray that God would give us a burden. Lord, I don't want to be free from holiness. Lord, I don't want to be free from righteousness. But I want to serve you tonight. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. The revelatory point in Paul's writings is that you've always been a servant. So we don't think about it like that. Our minds have a hard time comprehending that. You have to understand you were born 
a servant. A servant. Paul said, you are a servant of sin. And he said, don't you know that what you obey is what you serve? What you obey is very important. That's why when we read that the Bible says to come out from among them and be ye separate, it's not just a game that we play because what we obey is the God that we serve. The very things that we obey are the things that we're serving here on earth. And the greatest eye-opening moment of freedom is that when you decide to serve the right master, Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm not bound anymore. I've just switched masters. Come on, look at the next person and shout it at them. I'm not bound anymore. I've just switched masters. The only freedom from sin is found in Jesus. The only freedom from the world. You can't find it in drugs and you can't find it in alcohol. You can't find it in the pleasures of this world. I'm going to preach this tonight and I'm going to tell the devil right in his face. You can say remember all you want but the freedom I found is not found in you. It's found in Jesus. Come on. That's Jesus that we're talking about. Why don't you just praise him for a minute? Why don't you just give God praise for a second? You can't find this anywhere else. So, there's only one way to find freedom. He said, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's, there's no way by this but through me. I'm the only way to the Father. I'm the, I'm the only way to salvation. You can, you're not going to find it anywhere else. This is it. There's only one way. There's only one road, and the path is narrow, and we got to walk careful because there's not another way. The Bible doesn't talk about another way to be saved. And so I see Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I'm the only way through me. And we look at that and we say, well, that's the only way. But I also can picture in my imagination, I see Satan trying to get to us and trying to remind us of everything. And Jesus is standing in front of us and saying, if you want to get to him, you've got to go through me. If you want to get to my son, you've got to go through me first. Aren't you thankful for the protection of God tonight? Somebody say the only freedom is in Jesus. They weren't like Egyptian slaves, like you might think. No, quite the contrary. They had already been delivered out of Egypt. These slaves were not slaves as you would suppose in your imagination, they were Hebrew slaves. They had become servants because they had debts that they could not pay. Maybe they couldn't take care of themselves. They had possibly committed crimes that they regretted and now their last option for family 
and a home was to be a servant. And Exodus 21 and 2 says, If thou buy a Hebrew servant six years, can you say six years? He shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. But the sand of time kept falling. And six years would go fast. That was six years with family. That was six years with food on the table. That was six years with a roof over his head. Six years. And all of a sudden, sir, you are free. Go, if you would like. You've been here six years, and it's time. Your debt's paid as far as I'm concerned. You can go. And so this servant who had food on his table, and though he had debts that he could not pay, he had become a part of their family. And though he could, had committed crimes that, that he could not pay for, he could not repay, he, he had a home. And every night he would go into that house and he would feel like he was a part of that family. And he would feel, I know I'm going to eat in the morning. I know I'm going to get a good lunch. And I just know there's going to be fried chicken for dinner. I just know it. And I know that they make some of the best collard greens I've ever had in my life. I know it. I feel the spirit flowing through this house right now. Some of y'all so hungry. We're going to get to the restaurant in just a second, I promise. But he knew. He had that assurance. And he had that peace. And it said in Exodus 21 and verse 5, such a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. But if the servant shall say plainly, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. The time of freedom was there, but the servant had a choice to say, I love my master. I know I don't have to stay, but I want to. And so in the ceremonial acts, the master would take them to the door. And with a small nail, he would put a piercing in his ear. And that piercing in his ear was a symbol. It was a mark of someone who had served his time. He had done everything that they had told him to do. And he had done everything that was required of him. And that mark was a sign of a servant 
who loved his master. He was marked and his ear was forever open to the call of his master. Yes, some would go. But many would decide to stay. The devil is trying to convince this younger generation that freedom is out there when freedom is right here in this house. I'm talking to you tonight with the burden of a youth pastor. I'm not just talking to you tonight as your friend and with this youth group. I want to be their friend. You got to understand, Brother Nate loves to be your friend. But I've got to stand up tonight and say what the Lord has told me to say. That the, the enemy wants to tell you that going out there and trying all of that is freedom. But I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. Freedom is right here. Come on, I wish some elders would get behind me right now. I wish somebody would clap their hands and intercede for a young person. That's not freedom. Come on, intercede right now. There's some young people making decisions. That's not freedom. And someone has got to speak. Someone has to speak. In a world where anyone can get married and anyone can do anything and anybody can be anybody that they want, I'm telling you that you can go and seek after that and you're still empty and you're still lost and you're still lonely. But when you get with Jesus, when you get with Jesus, you don't have to feel that way. Come on, somebody, lift up your hands right now with me and intercede for a young person. If you want to see your youth group grow, it can't be done by the youth pastor. It's got to be done by the church. And so, some will go. But many will stay. Not because anybody's making them stay. You can go. You can go. There's a time in the spirit, and I'm talking to everybody in this place. We're in the spirit. The six years is over. Do you hear me tonight? The six years is done, and it's year seven. And all of a sudden, You've, been, you've had the world pulling at you. And there's a time in the spirit where everyone stops saying, you got to stay. You, whatever you got to do, you got to stay. There's a time in the spirit where you can't come to church just because somebody begs you to come to church. There's a time in the spirit when you say it's year number seven and I know that it's free for me to go, but I don't want to go. I love my master. I don't want to go. I love him. He's brought me in and he's made me a part of his family. 
And he put food on my table and a, and a roof over my head. Come on, if somebody's thankful right now, come on. He has put a roof over your head. He has put food on your family's table. It's time to say, you don't have to beg me to worship. You don't have to beg me to come to church. I just love my master. I just love him. So when I came to Jesus, my life was, all of us, life was a wreck. Am I the only one here whose life has been a wreck? There's a lot of people in here, your life was a wreck before Jesus got a hold of you. And Jesus has done some amazing things in your life. He has done some crazy, awesome things for you. I was a wreck, and I had debts that I could not pay. I had committed crimes that I could not take back. I had done things that I wish I had never done. My life was a wreck, and I was serving the wrong master. The master of sin. But there was a day when I went up to an altar and Jesus filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I said, Daddy, I, I really want to be baptized. Am I too young to be baptized? He said, no, son, you can be baptized. And there was a day when Jesus took me in when no, when no one else would. And he put a roof over my head. And he gave me a family. And he put food on my table. And Jesus said, come into my house. And you can stay as long as you want. But there's coming a time where you'll have, you'll have done everything that I've told you to do. You've obeyed the word. You probably look right. You probably talk right. And you've learned. You've learned when the altar call comes, oh, you don't stay in the back because that makes you a target. Oh, you learned that real quick in Pentecost. Never stay in the back when altar call comes. If you come to the altar, you might not get prayed with. If you stay back there, you're for sure going to get laid hands on. Hey, you sit on the back. You're going to have people with their hands on your head shaking you back and forth. What you doing back here? Oh, yeah, we learned. We learned. Oh, I'm going to go up. But if I just stand there, somebody's going to pray for me. So we learned. When I do my hand like this, they don't pray for me as much. And we learn. Everybody's jumping. I better start jumping. They're going to think something wrong. I'm sinning or something like that. Everybody's singing. I guess I should sing. And you've done everything just right. And all of a sudden, God calls. And he says, yes, that's good. But do you love me? I want you to do all those things. But the six years is over. It's year number seven. 
And I'm telling somebody right now in the spirit, in the Holy Ghost tonight, that apostolic is on the brink of year number seven. And I'm telling you, I'm going to say it right now by faith that there's going to be a group and a generation of young people that stand up and say, I'm not going anywhere, but this is my house. This is my home. I declare it right now. We will not see every young person backslide. We will not see our youth group in the streets doing drugs. This is my home. Come on, somebody ought to give God praise for that. I believe it. And so... Time has come. And I don't know about you, but I've come to tell Jesus tonight for myself. Take me to the door. Take me to the door and mark me as your servant because this is my home. Could you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now? Could you stand with me right now? And as you stand, just lift up your hands and lift up your voice. Come on. Somebody needs to declare right now. Somebody needs to declare right now. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not going to see my friends and my kids and this youth group backslide. I'm not going to sit around and just watch and do nothing. But God has called me to tell you that you don't have to go. Come on, just lift up your voice right now and call on the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice right now and speak the name of Jesus. Those are young lives. Those are young, innocent lives. Those are innocent, pure lives. And Jesus wants to keep it that way. And the only kind of free is summed up in two words. In... Jesus. Come on, just lift up your voice. That's the Holy Ghost right now. In Jesus. When he marks me, there's a change. Because I decided this is no longer an internship. This is no longer a temporary place for me. This is where I want to live. This is my home. And so she said, I'm done. I'm done with church. I'm done with singing. And I'm done with shouting. I've had it. I'm done. And her pastor looked at her with tears in his eyes. And he said, okay. But before you go, would you do one thing for me? I want you to come to the altar. That's all I ask. Then you can go. You're free. Go if you choose. And he took her to the altar. And he said, this is it. 
You've been here for 20 years. I've worshiped with you a lot. And I've prayed with you a lot. He said, do you remember over here when God healed your baby boy? Do you remember that? He said, yeah. He said, remember this? I remember you stood right here. You had cancer. And God healed you of cancer. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember this is the altar where you got married? And when, when things started falling apart, this was the same altar where God healed your marriage. Do you remember when your husband got in that car wreck and he almost died? And we all went to the emergency room and hovered over his bed and prayed and God healed him? Do you remember that? Yeah. He said, okay, you can go. She said, wait, I'm not going anywhere. Wait a minute. I know that I can go, but maybe, just maybe, I'll stay. The enemy has been tugging on some of us in here. And he's been saying, you're done, and you have agreed with him. I'm done. It's over. I give up. And God is calling you in the spirit saying, but do you remember? You can go. You choose to go. But do you remember this? Do you remember that? And Jesus said, God said in Exodus 20, he said, I have brought you out from the land of Egypt. And I have brought you out from bondage. And God is trying to remind us tonight. How could we go anywhere after he has brought us out of all of that? After he has been so good, how could I go? I'm not going anywhere. Could you lift your hands up with me right now? We're about to come up to this altar, but I just want us to tell the Lord right now, Lord, I know that this that the enemy has been telling me it's time to quit. I know that the enemy has been saying that nobody can live for God. I know that the enemy has been saying that attendance is down, whatever. The enemy can keep talking. He can keep talking all that he wants. But the freedom that you'll find will not be from his voice. It'll be in Jesus. And in closing, I'm going to open up this altar. So they ask. Some are going to ask, why do you love him so much? Why would you? The world's going to say, that's bondage. Living by all that. You don't have to do that. And that's what they're going to tell you. Especially in the last days. They're going to say, what are you? Why do you care so much? Why do you love him so much? I'm telling you, 
I've got a mark right here in the spirit because he has a mark right here and a mark right here and a mark right here. And he has a mark on his side. I'll take a mark for him because he took a mark for me. And Jesus could have gone, could have been done, called 10,000 angels, and he looked up on a hill and a cross on his back, and he said, Take me to the cross. Mark me so that they'll know how much I really love them. And I wonder tonight if you could join me in this altar right now. And if you could make your way right now. Come on. Just begin to make your way and tell the Lord, take me to the door right now. Lord, I'm going to take a mark for you in the spirit tonight. You've got to decide. You've got to stop playing games with the church. You've got to stop playing games with the spirit. You've got to stop playing games with God and say, I've made up my mind. I'm not going. Come on, I'll take the mark. He took the mark. I'll take a mark on my ear. I'll take a nail in my ear. He took a nail in his hands. Come on, somebody make up your mind right now. Lift up your voice right now and tell Jesus that you love him. I know that I can go. I know that there's a different kind of freedom, but it's the wrong master and I will not go. Come on, just tell the Lord I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. But this is my home now. I'm a part of a family now. I'm a part of this house now. I'm a part of the dinner table. I'm a part of the family now. Come on, just tell Jesus that you love him tonight. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I know that the enemy is tugging at this generation. Lord, I know that the enemy is telling us that that it's time to go. But I declare in the spirit, I will not go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I want to stay. We need the audacity of a child that says, I don't want to leave. Daddy, I want to stay. Daddy, I want to stay. Come on, listen to the voice of the children. Listen to the voice of the children. Daddy, I want to stay. I don't want to go. All right, right now, we're, we're not going to be much longer, but I feel right now 
There are some of us that are burdened with sickness. You've been burdened by a bad report. You've been burdened by the loss of your family. You've been burdened by the things of this world. The bank's given you a bad report. The bank has told you that it's not going to work out and you don't know how you're going to do it. But listen, that's the exact thing that the devil wants to use to say it's time to go. That's the exact thing that the enemy wants to use to say your time is up. It's time to go. Your family doesn't love you anymore. You're not welcome in that house anymore. In the name of Jesus Christ, I want to pray over you right now. Lord, no matter what we're going through and no matter what situation we're in the middle of, I want to declare tonight that my faithfulness will not be determined by my situation. My faithfulness will not be determined by the outcome of this situation. But I'm going to stay. Come on, just lift up your voice right now and tell the Lord, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. See you. 